Oh, but if you've been listening for very long, and I know most of you probably have, we save the 8 o'clock segment on The Garden Show for a very special event every week, and that's because we get to talk to a very special person, and that's the Dirt Doctor. And uh, good morning, Howard Garrett. Good morning. How's everybody? Everybody's a little nervous about what the weather's going to do to us this next week, but other than that, I think we're pretty good. How about you guys? Yeah, same thing. Uh, I think the recommendation of having some floating row cover around is a good idea. I've got a couple of plants. I'll probably go to the trouble to cover a little bit. I'm planting a few additional things today, so got a little bit of gardening going on, no matter what the weather's like. <laughs> what are they saying for Dallas? What is what is your forecast? Uh, they keep jumping uh, back. They One day they say Monday's going to be the coldest morning. The next time it's Tuesday. But uh, what are you guys looking at? Yeah, same thing in the 20s. And, you know, who knows? I think the last time uh, they said it was going to get uh, freezing, it got a little colder than they predicted. So, uh, yeah, we may get a little damage. I wrote a Dallas Morning News column on the uh, the beauty of new growth. A lot of people overlook that. You know, you think about flowers and yep. fall color, but the new foliage on a, a lot of plants. The Japanese maples are kind of the the uh, head of that that show. They really put on some beautiful new foliage. But the, the Buckeyes do, and a lot of other plants do. My Chinese Fotinia even has has real pretty. Mm-hmm. Put that in the uh, in the column and a few other things. And the ones I, I hadn't noticed this before, but the plants that are the prettiest in the spring, uh, as far as the new foliage growth, are the ones that are completely bare. You know, the ones that are uh, uh, Mark Essence uh, is going on. They're still holding on to yep. old foliage or whatever. You know, the the pretty new uh, growth gets hidden a little bit. So it's those completely bare ones that look the prettiest. And I have I have Japanese maples in both categories. Some of my Japanese maples hold their uh, dead foliage. Interesting. Until the new pops out, and, and the one that's the worst about it. In fact, I was out there pulling uh, the dead growth off. I'm going to do more of it today. It just looks better. Is the one called Orangeola, which uh-huh. is a really pretty one. I like it a lot, but it holds its dead foliage all through the winter. So the new uh, new buds pop, uh, knock it off. I, I wonder what the evolutionary benefit to that was because, you know, most of the things that nature does, if you study hard enough, you can figure out that there was a reason for it. But I, I've i never been able to really determine why it would benefit a lea- uh, plant to keep those uh, brown leaves on it all year or up until no the new idea. comes out. Um, yeah. I have no idea. Well, it's you're sure right about the foliage color. I love there are a couple of places on the ranch where I some of my old Jeep roads that I'll go up and just look. And you can look across the hillside in the relatively early to mid-spring, and you can literally see, you can pick out all the different kinds of trees by what the foliage color is. Now, by early summer, it's all pretty much that same uniform green, but uh, it's just a different look to the escarpment cherry than it is to the red oaks and it is to the madrones, and uh, it's just a beautiful time of year for people that open their eyes and, and look at what's going on around them. Well, the escarpment cherry is one I put in the uh, in the uh, article because not only is the new foliage pretty, but the the sheaves behind the foliage kind of a reddish pink color and really beautiful. That's that's a tree that should be used a whole lot more and is very easy to grow. Madrone's gorgeous too, but it's a little more difficult for people, and the industry is really reluctant to 
have it available for purchase, you know. Well, I, I wish they grew more escarpment cherries because that one's that one is you know still kind of hard to come by a lot of times and you mentioned your chinese photinia there's a plant that i absolutely love that is very difficult for us to find in the trade do you see it advertised or available in dallas yeah my front yard's growing popping up all over the place <laughs> <laughs> well <laughs> dig them up and put them in pots will <laughs> it's uh uh it, it's just compared to the so-called uh you know, red tips of Fraser Ifotinia, that's just a, a plant that has more problems than you can hardly count. But that old Chinese Fotinia, there was one uh, growing on the cover outside my grandfather's dining room over in Oak Cliff in Dallas. And that was always the prettiest plant. Beautiful white flowers, uh, you know, in the spring. Beautiful, just really kind of coppery colored new growth coming out in the spring. And uh, I love Very that plant. Beautiful in the fall. Too. Yeah. It's pretty all the way around. Yeah, it's a whole, whole lot better than the Fraser Fotini, but the the guy that recommends chemicals, you know, on the radio and, sure. and in columns is, has been telling people uh, that if you have uh, the Chinese, the uh, Fraser Fotini, you might as well just take it out because when it gets the intimosporium, he likes to say that, that word, intimosporium <laughs> leaf spot, which is started by a root uh, fungus and, sure. you know, a, a flaw in the basic uh, uh, health of the uh, plant. There's nothing you can do about it. And, of course, they say that about oak wilt and, and rose, rosette and everything, too. But that's where we came up with the sick tree treatment, right. saving the uh, uh, red tip fatinia, and they absolutely can be saved. I wouldn't plant anymore. I mean, don't get right. me wrong, but... But the sick tree treatment can uh, can save them without any question. And by the way, back to the uh, Mark Essence, the holding of the uh, uh, dead foliage through the winter. Uh-huh. You know, there is probably a reason. One of the reasons that might be there is that plants do that to some degree to help hold uh, warmth in uh, on the canopy of the tree. I yeah. bet you that's part of how that developed in some trees. It, it would make sense, but uh, I it's it's just such an unusual thing. And, you know, of course, we've talked about how promiscuous the oaks are and how there's so many different hybrids out there. But uh, down here, of course, the uh, the red oaks are, are very popular. But it, you'll see two trees that are supposedly exactly the same species of tree, and one of them's holding its leaves all winter and the other one's, you know, dropping them in the fall. So, uh, there's there's obviously a genetic connection to it, and who knows? Maybe early on, like you say, that was that was uh, of evolutionary benefit to the trees. Probably so. We need to talk about beer. <laughs> okay. There is a new report. I don't know if you've seen this yet, but it uh, it ran. We got got wind of it in um, USA Today, and now I've looked looked it up, and and I found a little bit more information on it, but it's about glyphosate again. I know uh-huh. people get tired of hearing about this, but this it's really important for people to understand this uh, and what and talk about what we can do about it. It's so ubiquitous, it's very difficult uh, to get away from it. In fact, one of the uh, the wines that was tested that ended up showing up uh, some glyphosate was uh, uh, Frey. Mm-hmm. They're organic, <laughs> natural white. Had 4.8 parts per billion. Wow! And, it, and and the representative there said that it is. This is one of the things that really hit me upside the head. He said it's almost impossible 
to avoid Roundup, the glyphosate. He said mm-hmm. it's in the rainwater now. Right. I, I didn't know that. But here, the scary thing about about this new report here, and of course we've known this that it's shown up in wines and everything. I don't. I won't drink uh, California wine. But there's a new bad uh, part to this. The wines that showed up the worst. Fifty-one point four parts per billion Sutter Home Merlot. Wow, the worst uh-huh. one in this study. The worst beer was Sing Tao, which is a Chinese beer from Hong Kong. Thirty-nine point seven parts per billion. Second, Coors Light. Third, Miller Light. Then Budweiser. Then Corona. Corona's got a bunch of other bad stuff in it too. Heineken is uh, twenty point nine. And uh, Guinness, even Guinness beer is uh, 20. The only beer that showed zero is a beer I've never heard of called Peak Beer, and you can't buy it here. I, I've already looked into it. It's, hmm. uh, it's from uh, Maine, uh, Peak <laughs> Organic Beer, zero. The one that's the last on the list of this study uh, that is available is Samuel Smith's Organic Lager. Stella, uh the Trois is also uh, pretty low, 9.1. But uh, what these guys that defend it say is, is worth talking about. What They take the angle of talking about its toxicity, mm-hmm. you know, not what we talk about, that harming the gut life right. and that sort of thing. Right. They talk about the fact that 140 glasses a day is what you'd have to drink for it to be, you know, toxic to a, a human. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'd have to drink 308 gallons of wine a day. You know, these ridiculous kind of yep. comments. That's yep. what they base their argument on. They don't talk, you know, about the real uh, issue, about the GMO problem, contamination and the Roundup contamination and all that. One study showed... That's there's there's 9,300 uh, lawsuits going on, which I also didn't know. I didn't know there was that much going on. I know there's been a couple where uh, judgments have been uh, established, but mm-hmm. now they're going through the uh, process of trying to get them thrown out. But one of the studies showed that Roundup, at as low as one part per trillion, has been linked to breast breast cancer and uh and disruptive uh endocrine systems. So it it just continues. This is, you know, a new uh a new thing for people. I thought I'd find something to recommend for people to drink and I did. <laughs> Water. <laughs> well, you know, it's um it, it it is so pervasive and it's because of the damn government and you know exactly what you're talking about but they've done this even before all the concerns about roundup all they talk about uh is acute toxicity that's right and that's right. um i remember the old benamel because everybody said oh benamel so uh so safe because it has such a high ld50 which means it takes so much of it to hurt you and then they found out that all these people that were handling the benamel and the vineyards and things they were all getting alzheimer's and parkinson's and all sorts of things from the cumulative effects of it 
and that didn't change them. They're still doing exactly the same thing. The warning labels that they put on the toxic pesticides that you and I strongly speak against, uh, they're still based only on acute toxicity. Uh, no one, and, and this is one thing that Diane Baines brings out in in her talks, is that so many of the tests, they look carefully to see how long it takes for the the damage to show up and let's say it's 12 weeks well they conveniently conclude all their tests at 11 weeks and it's just fraud and um you know they they're so busy picking on every other little thing they can find to pick on and and to me the health of the country is is very much at risk because i i would be interested to see in our rainwater if we have uh, glyphosate in it because i know that up in the, you know, there there are lots of parts of this country where they spray it out of airplanes and things like that, and of course it's going to wind up in the in the rainwater and things like that, and the and, and the drift problems there. Um, who was I talking to? Uh, and it might have been a similar article. They were talking about one of the organic oatmeal's that they found quite a lot of it in, and you know it's just spray drift that's uh, winding up on the crops because these guys aren't careful when they spray. They spray on windy days, and the little small farmer next to the multi-thousand-acre farm, he's going to get a ton of this stuff drifting over him, just like the people in California do. And uh, I don't know. It's 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 really, really discouraging. Um, and well, the big chemical Doug and I were talking about this yesterday. The big chemical companies are going to have to get in have enough incentive to get into looking into alternative uh, products. You know, mm-hmm. That's the only way it's going to happen. Uh, our little organic uh, recommendations and everything are great for the people who are smart enough to listen to us and, and yeah. uh, you know, do vinegar and, and fatty acids and the other kind of things. But until the big boys get into it and make some changes, you know, on our agriculture, a big uh, scale, uh, really not going to get any better. The only recommendation that kind of jumps out from this report is that if you look at the read other related reports, is that the European beers and wines tend to be cleaner than uh, mm-hmm. than ours, which is a sad statement about our our <laughs> stuff. Well, we need but, to check out the Italian wines because I know Italy is one of the countries that has really clamp down on actually turning grain away from its its ports they uh at least at some point they do some glyphosate testing on these uh big old grain ships before they'll even unload them and i know recently they i don't know how many it was thirty thousand tons or something like that of american oats they turned away because of glyphosate so maybe we need to check out the italian wines i don't know if the italians make a good beer but they sure make some good wines well, they've got uh, they've got some pretty good beers uh, too. Peroni is uh, one that's that's good. Yeah, that'd be good. And it's interestingly uh, uh, absent in this report. There's no uh, there's no European uh, beers or wines on here. But the other thing that really I saw a Malbec on here, and I thought, well, hmm, I bet that Malbec is not made in Argentina. And I looked it up. It's in Cari, and it is made in Argentina. Oh. And it's got 5.3 uh, parts per for a billion. Um, I, when we were over in Argentina, I talked to people over there, and they all said, "No, we're not organic, except by benign neglect." Kind of, you know, we've mm-hmm. got such perfect growing conditions, we don't have to use a lot of toxic stuff. But even there, 
uh, apparently there is a uh, there is a problem. Huh. Well, anyway, uh, just uh, the next step, and uh, hopefully this will continue and, and cause you know some changes to be made about uh, getting rid of that product. The problem that we've got, we, I was thinking about this yesterday, the problem we have on getting rid of Roundup is that the damn stuff works so well in killing stuff. Yeah, yeah. That's our problem. I was talking to a golf course, one of my golf buddies who built redid a golf course up uh, north of the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and they sprayed the whole place with Roundup, you know, and killed everything before they, you know, started working and regrading and to plant the new stuff. And you think about that. What could they have done on that scale? What other product could they have used mm-hmm. to do the same thing? I don't know. I don't know. I didn't know what to tell them. Of course, they didn't ask me. I found out about it after the fact. But, uh, you know, that's that's the problem. If you tried to spray 350 acres with vinegar or uh, fatty acid or something, you're just not going to get the uh, kind of kill that they need to uh, start off, you know, from scratch with new grasses. Well, but, you know, it's it, the problem is just so multifaceted in that our, quote, modern agriculture is basically hydroponic agriculture. And, yep, you right. know, in grasses and things like that, we used to have, you know, much, many fewer weed problems because our grasses were so thick and so lush, the weeds never had a chance. But then we burn all the carbon out of the soil with the synthetic fertilizers. We we take away all the natural things that used to control these problems, and then all of a sudden, well, aren't the synthetic fertilizer people happy because now they get to sell us Roundup and sell us all these other things, uh, the 2,4-D products, the atrazine products to uh, kill the weeds, and it's it's just very, very complex. There just aren't any simple answers, and that's why, and and I have this talk with, uh, we have a a feed store guy south of town that uh, is one of the most, proactive people i know trying to work with the city about helping to get any organic waste that we have in town down where the farmers can incorporate it into the soils to start rebuilding the organics and you know get a little bit of quality back into the soil which will put better quality back in our crops but man it's an uphill battle to fight yeah, the only thing I could have recommended if they had asked me what to do as an alternative would be to tell them to uh, scrape it off, scrape the surface off, pile it in a big pile, compost it, you know, and uh, and go that route. And I don't know, it might be cost-effective if you had the right kind of equipment to do it. You know, they regraded the whole property anyway. So, you know, starting with a, you know, setting the box scrapers or the big scrapers, you know, uh, uh inch and a half or two yep. inches and scraping it all off might have been the uh the only alternative and you know the the other thing that uh that we we don't talk enough about because there's not that much research out there that we can look at but glyphosate is that's the one that gets all the publicity but it's only one of three or four very very nasty things in roundup and some of these uh, other things that they don't list as the active ingredient may have you know practically as many negative uh, effects as as the glyphosate does oh 
sure. I'm, I'm getting to identify something specific in it to, uh, for these lawsuits or whatever. But yeah. you're, you're exactly right. Plus, they're mix they're mixing and making products now. They're mixing Roundup with other uh, other kinds of herbicides. Yeah. Some yeah. of the people that recommend Roundup are, are even upset about that. Yeah, this Enlist Duo or whatever they're they're calling that they've uh, and I have to go back. I don't remember whether it's an atrazine or whether it's a 2,4-D type of product that uh, they they approved it and then they pulled it off again because they found out that they were faking their you know some of their test results. And I don't know if it's back on the market again or not. But yeah, I, one thing I will pass along. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of our, our folks out there are, are listening, and I just got a text that recommends uh, there's something called a Big Berkey, B-E-R-K-E-Y, countertop water filter that apparently is really good at uh, taking the Roundup out. So, uh, Big um, Berkey? Yeah, it's called Big, B-I-G, Berkey, B-E-R-K-E-Y, countertop water filter, water filter 2, uh, that says it does a good job of uh, removing glyphosate from the water, and uh, I'll have to find you know what the source was, but they're saying that glyphosate's in seventy-five percent of the rainwater in the country now. So it's uh, yeah. One thing related to this that I meant to bring up is the uh, high fructose corn syrup. Uh-huh. Which, you know, it started with the Super Bowl. There was a big ad campaign about uh, Budweiser uh, about. Um, yeah, Budweiser not having uh, uh, corn syrup. You know, they made mm-hmm. they were joking about Coors and Miller having corn syrup and a big delivery and you know all that stuff. Well, they pushed back on it pretty hard and uh, exposed the fact that the only Budweiser product that doesn't have corn syrup is Bud Light. <laughs> all their others do. <laughs> of course, they were talking about Bud Light in the ad. But anyway, that got my attention. I. I used to buy Coors Light probably more than any other beer, and I shifted over as a result of hearing that to uh, to Bud Light. But in, then, in looking at this report, I got to thinking: I wonder if the source of the glyphosate is the corn syrup. That's an interesting question. Yeah. Syrup, because that's probably you know, they're probably using a lot of it in that uh, agriculture and their mm-hmm. no-till. You know, the no-till, the way they're doing it is really ramped up the uh, use of Roundup. And I'll bet you there's a direct relationship between the, the brands that contain high-fructose corn syrup and the, uh, and the Roundup. We'll have to look further at that. That's I, I, When you first started talking about it, I was thinking it must be coming in on the grains, but that would make real good sense in the high fructose corn syrup. I, did, did you mention Dos Equis? I have to admit, admit that that... Dos is not in there. You know, <laughs> that's the other thing about this report. How did they choose these 15 <laughs> that they did and not yeah. the other you know, 90,000 other brands? But it's a start. I think it, it'll... You know, force everybody probably to look into uh, the uh, brews that they're using. Is are they having the same problem? You know, I've got to go back and and look through. I've got the book. I, I bought the money to buy the uh, the you know paper and ink version of this uh, report called Poison Foods of North America. 
that uh, is the most complete list with the quantitative as well as the qualitative analysis of how much Roundup is in a lot of different things. And I, I'd be interesting to see if they're going to update that. Uh, I believe this came out of Canada, but it looked at a lot of different products. And uh, if you don't have it, shoot, I might even buy a copy and send it to you. I know you can buy it online for a few dollars. It's much more expensive uh, in the print version, but uh, it's called Poison Foods in North America. It's one of the most frightening books you'll read, and I don't recall having seen the beers in there, but I haven't read it cover to cover, and I need to go back and look. See if they are. And the other thing uh, that more people drink than the beer and wine that we're talking about are the soft drinks. And I'll bet uh-huh. you anything, it's a bigger problem there. You know, it would have to be as much corn, fr- uh, high fructose corn syrup as in yeah, those. That's the, one of the main ingredients in all that stuff and the sports drinks and everything else. So maybe that'll be the next uh, next step. Anyway, well, it didn't mean to make it a total negative thing, but it, the positive side is we're learning more and, and uh, it'll force everybody to be more careful about purchasing what they purchase, at least the stuff that has lower levels of the bad stuff. <laughs> well, and you're and, giving and me a... Maybe come up with a better solution. You're giving me a great lead into my seminar this morning, which is all about growing your own vegetables and everything else and maybe we uh maybe we'll talk a little bit more about grapes and uh i know people that make their own wine at home and uh, i don't know how you make it well i guess that really is interesting about the high fructose corn syrup because there are a lot of uh brewers people brewing at home and also a lot of microbreweries i have pretty close contact with a couple of them and i'll find out if they're putting uh, high fructose corn syrup in theirs and it might be real interesting to look at some of these small brewers that may not be doing that and uh because it's it's you know it's i think it's only like uh no, oh, it's under a hundred dollars a test to get a good quantitative reading on glyphosate levels so uh You've just opened the door to uh, another fascinating thing to be looking at. Well, I've enjoyed it as always. A little different angle. We'll see everybody uh, next week. Everybody behave themselves. Stay uh, warm and do a little organic gardening. There you go, Howard. It's always a pleasure, and we thank you as always. And everybody go to DirtDoctor.com for the latest and greatest. And uh, you guys have a good week. I look forward to your next visit. See you. Thank Thank you, sir. Bye. Mr. R. Garrett is the Dirt Doctor, and of course his website, dirtdoctor.com, source of the best growing information on the Internet for uh, our area, South Texas, as well as, of course, where Howard's based up in the Metroplex area in Dallas. But uh, you're just going to find things that work, things that will really help you at dirtdoctor.com, not to mention the uh, the large number of books that uh, Howard has published, uh, all of which are just excellent, excellent Uh, sources for a lot of information all right well let's get back to gardening back to the phone lines we're going to talk to bruce and then alice uh good morning bruce good morning bob how are you doing i'm well sir how about yourself oh just fine i was just wondering i heard a rumor i don't know if it's true that tycoon tomato plants are no longer available is that true um they that is one of several varieties that uh i know some of the big seed companies have stopped uh putting out the seed i um i imagine that there's still going to be some of that seed around and i i would encourage people you know it is a it is a newer hybrid so it's not going to come true a hundred percent from seed but for people who really like the tycoons i'd i'd sure suggest uh 
you know, saving the seed from those things. I think there'll be a limited number of plants out there this year, but it is one of the ones that the seed sources do seem to be drying up. And of course, you know, Tycoon has always been one of the most productive tomatoes out there. I've never thought it was nearly as good flavored as uh, Celebrity or, you know, some of the uh, older heirloom varieties, but, um, uh, yeah, it's going to definitely be harder to find this year. And by next year, you're probably not going to find many commercial people out there producing it. Well, last year I, uh, harvested some seeds and I, you know, I watched it on TV. They showed you how to mm-hmm. harvest them and put them in an envelope. And so I've have about six plants growing really nice. They're oh, about good. Four or five inches tall. Yeah. But, but you said they won't come out as a true tycoon or they, well, they'd be just a little different. You know, it it's always going to be, um, and it's a real interesting question you bring up, uh, it's just uh-huh. sort of a, a gambling game with plants that uh, have not been um how let's say i guess malcolm beck put it best uh years ago people would always uh on a given plant variety they would take the very best of the best plants you grow out six planters or grow out 600 plants then you want to be sure that the fruit that you save the seed from are the very best of those plants and the very best fruit and you do this over and over and over and you you get to the point where a a larger number of the offspring resemble what the parents were in genetic terms we're increasing the homozygosity of a lot of the genetic pairs there and by doing this over and over and over again we get to what we refer to as open pollinated varieties where the the plants where the seed comes back the same pretty much year after year after year and that's what's true of a lot of our heirloom our older varieties of tomatoes now we still have to be very careful that we're not planting a lot of varieties right up against one or the other but because they do typically come true the seed companies are still able to offer these varieties through open pollination in the fields with what you know your tycoons are we've still got a lot of uh, homos or heterozygous different uh, genes are always in pairs and uh, heterozygous means that they are are two different ones and so the first year you want to be sure that you pick the fruit that is from the best plant and gives you the best fruit and save the seeds from that and do this over the years and out of your six plants maybe one of them is going to be real superior to the other five be sure that that's the seed that you save for next year's crop and uh you can do this to where you will Oh, I guess some folks would say purify the seed line, and no, we can't call it tycoon anymore, but, you know, maybe you'll be able to save the ones that not only grow well, but have the better flavor, and and who knows, Bruce may come up with an even better tomato than tycoon in the long term. We'll keep our fingers crossed on that one, so I'm sorry to digress on that a bit, but... uh, um, That's fine. That's very interesting. Yeah. Uh, I did pick the best fruit when I was harvesting them. I got quite a bit of seed in the... Maybe I'll just keep doing that every year if I get, like you said. You just okay. keep, keep well, on doing it, and uh, uh, we'll look forward to visiting again. I appreciate the call. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Bob. Certainly. Bye. Goodbye. All right, let's talk to Alice. Good morning, Alice. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I have had rainy weather on weekends a lot, and I still haven't gotten a lot of weeds sprayed. <laughs> so when I finally got my sprayer out, uh, I found out the O-rings were messed up. Um 
It was a relatively cheap one. I was wondering if you could recommend a new one for me, probably about a two-gallon size. We are looking. It's funny you should mention that because just yesterday I talked to a uh, a new company, and I'm afraid I can't re- remember the name of that sprayer. But uh, it'll be a couple of weeks before we get them. Right now, um, Gilmore is about as good as is out there. But this new one, from all appearances, is going to be a whole lot better. And and I apologize again. I had not seen this. I'm uh, taking one home to use. But uh, it's not only going to be better quality, but a better price point two on this and it's just it's but uh you know I, i'll look at it today for sure maybe we can talk tomorrow and i'll tell you what the name on it is and uh you may be able to buy one off the internet somewhere but uh, uh i'll tell you one thing the o-rings that uh on your old sprayer soften them up with vegetable oil or something like that you may be able to bring that sprayer back to life and you might actually be able to replace the O-rings in it. A good, you know, not a box store, but a good hardware store uh, may carry a selection of O-rings. And if that's the only thing's wrong with your sprayer, I'm not going to throw that old one away until I either try to, uh, Im, you know, soften up the O-rings that are on there or even get a new O-ring. Because it's a shame to throw away a $30 sprayer when you need a $0.30 cent, uh, O-ring replacement. Well, actually, I did go to an automotive store, and I took the O-rings out, and they weren't dried out. In fact, they were really oily, and I think when I I did clean it out with soapy water after I did the orange Mm -hmm. oil and and vinegar spraying, but um, there was an O-ring that was kind of inside some other plastic pieces that I didn't Uh see, and it's actually oily and gummy feeling. Well, I would clean them very thoroughly and put them back in and, like I say, put a little vegetable oil or even a little WD-40, just fish oil, and see if you can soften them up because you may very well be able to bring that sprayer back to life. And uh, if not, in the or at least get it working enough uh, until we can uh, get some new ones on the shelf to experiment with because we we had high hopes for one that was using the viton seals and uh they're still working on perfecting that i think it just wasn't quite ready for prime time as they say but in the meantime try to clean try to soften those o-rings and see if you can't squeeze a little more life out of this and i'll let you know this newer sprayer line in the next day or two Okay, and um, my rancher friend was going to buy a Gilmore, and he told me the store said that they weren't making it anymore. Now, I don't know if he meant that particular model probably or that Gilmore m- company itself. Probably that particular model, because uh, that's still the one that our suppliers are sending us, but I have to say they're not nearly the quality they used to be. But the little yeah, well, hand he, he was showing me his real old ones. Yeah, it was great. So yeah, it's uh, they're they're still making them, but it's you know it's kind of like. Uh, Oh, some of the big tool companies making shears and things like that. They, you know, the same company 20 years ago was using decent steel and making a good pruning shear, and they just aren't doing it anymore. So uh, we'll work on, and and I'll do my very best to write that name down so I can tell you on the air tomorrow what this uh, new sprayer line is. Terrific. Thank you very much, Bob. It's always a pleasure, Alice. Thank you for the call this morning.